0: Let each and every one of us be those people. But in this way, uh, we speak somewhat metaphorically. We're not literally walking next to him, though he is with us in a very real way, not in a physical way, but then, then this will be in an even more realized sense. What I'm saying is, now the longer we serve him and the longer we walk with him the sweeter it gets how good it is to walk with the lord what i'm saying is if you're enjoying walking with the lord now you're going to love it then also we will no longer experience the consequences of sin i don't want to i don't want to harp on them today i don't want to talk about it at length because Gosh, I'm tired of the consequences of sin. Crying, grief, pain, death. All consequences of sin. I'm tired of all of it. I don't want to talk about the consequences of sin anymore. Suffice it to say, you're all very familiar with the consequences of sin. Suffice it to say, we have all grieved and suffered and hurt from sin, yes? All right, well, at that day, on this time, we will no longer worry about the consequences of sin. God will wipe every tear. There will be no more sin. The very stain of sin in our life will be removed from us. No longer tempted to sin. No longer sinning. No longer worrying about others sinning against us. No longer locking doors. This is what we hope for. For now crying, grief, pain, they remain, do they not? I regularly talk about, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, when Paul is comforting a church that he started, because many believers in that church that he started had passed on and gone on to be with the Lord. And um, I talk about this at every funeral uh, service. So, if you've been here long enough to attend a couple of funeral services, you know it's always the right time to share that passage at a funeral service. And so, you know how the passage goes. Paul tells the church, and he comforts them, knowing that those they love have passed on and they are for the moment separated. Paul says to them, I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, of all that's going to happen, because I don't want you to grieve like the rest of humankind who grieve what does he say now? How do we grieve? We Christians, we are the ones who grieve, but we grieve with what? He says, I don't want you to grieve like the rest of humanity who grieve with no hope. Rather, we Christians, we grieve. But we're the kind of people who grieve, but we grieve with great hope. Because we know we're not going to be grieving forever. At some point, grief is over with. I've got it written right here in front of me. There's no more sin, and so there's no more consequences of sin. And if you read the chapter beforehand, death itself is thrown into hell with all the rest. We will no longer on that day experience the consequences of sin. The next thing he says is this, we will live our entire lives as adopted children of God with no fear. There's nothing left to fear. He says this, verse 7 The one who conquers will inherit these things. I will be his God, he will be my son. Not servant, not mule. I will be his God, and he will be my son. He will be my daughter. In the next chapter, chapter 22, verse 1, we get a picture of the rest of what the new Jerusalem looks like. The end of chapter 21 is a beautiful, long description of what the new city, Jerusalem, that comes out of heaven looks like. And here's what we get in chapter 22. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the main city street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The tree never runs out of fruit. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face. His name will be on their foreheads. This is a beautiful moment here that His name will be on their foreheads. We have a name written on us, and it is His name. Really, and very specifically what this, I don't say this as a joke, what this ought to remind you of and make you think of is the classic movie Toy Story. (laughs) But I'm not joking where the child in the movie, Andy, takes his toys and writes his name, Andy, very clearly on the toy, it's mine. And so these toys know to whom they belong. Let me tell you, he will write his name on us, so that we and everyone else know to whom we belong. When you put your trust in Christ, he writes his name on our hearts, even now. I don't want you to take this passage as some kind of idea for getting a facial tattoo. (laughs) It's a bad idea. Don't do it, alright? You've seen somebody else do it. Learn from their mistakes. (laughs) Don't do it. But do understand the truth of what this says. He's not going to call a servant. He's not going to call you, hey, boy, come here. The answer is son, daughter, daughter. We are His. To be a Christian now, His name is written on our heart and even more apparently then that His name will be written across our heads, across all of our lives. We belong to Him. And no one can change that because He's the one who does the writing. Don't you see that important part of this? Can you get lost? Can you stray from God? Could you sin again? Yeah, you could now. But if He's the one who's written His name on you, then you belong to Him. And it's His business who He writes His name on. If you're His, you cannot be lost from Him because you now belong to Him. And He would have to be the one to decide to lose you. And He's the one who has said, of all that comes to Me, I will not lose one. His name is written on our hearts now, then His name will be written on our lives. We will have nothing to fear. Then there's finally this list of things to fear, of people to fear. It's an interesting list, this list, Uh, the cowards, the faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their share will be in the lake uh, that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. It's an interesting passage because you get all throughout Revelation the hope and the comfort, but you also get all throughout it The stern warning, don't follow that path. And here, in context of having His name written on you being adopted as sons and daughters, you get the list of things you don't have to fear. We don't have to fear the second death. The second death is a phrase used in Revelation meant for hell. The idea being, you were born, yes, you were born, we're all on the same page here. You were born. If you didn't know it, you were born, right? So, you were born. And then when you are a new creation in Christ, you are born again. There's two, okay, right? If Christ doesn't return, you will die. But there is a second death, and this is hell, what Scripture refers to, and that started in chapter 20, if you want to go back and look at that. He calls hell the second death. The idea is this, if you want to do some math real quick, I don't either, but if you want to do some math real quick, the idea is this, if you are born twice, then you will only die once, then resurrection and eternal life. But if you're only born once and not born again, then you will die twice, both death and then the second death. But for those who are in Christ who have trusted their life to Him today, we don't have to fear any of this. We don't have to fear the second death. He says, all of that is reserved for these other people who have not put their trust in Christ and who obstinately refuse to at this point, having seen all the evidence and all the tribulations, still refuse and will not, no matter what, put their trust in Christ. And so, they receive their reward justly and rightly. These lists like this of sin, they're, they're difficult for us to read they difficult for us to read for all kinds of reasons. They're not nice words to for us to want to read, but also because we always find ourselves in these lists. They're always against us, at least who we used to be. Let's try it again. Cowards, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. They're hard to read because they convict us as well. It was from this way of life that Christ has saved each and every one of us. And these lists, anytime you read them throughout Scripture of sin, are convicting to all of us because we have all lived that way before and we all face temptations to live in that lifestyle now. But the promise from God is this. Verse 7, the one who conquers will inherit these things. I will be his God. He will be my son. The rest of that, you don't have to worry about. It is the one who conquers. It's an interesting word, isn't it? The one who conquers. What does it mean to be the one who conquers? overcomes, some translations will say. That's what this word means. Who's the one who wins, who conquers, who overcomes something? I I tell you, it's the same thing as the word to have persevered or to have endured is a word Scripture uses regularly, that the book of Revelation is used regularly. The one who conquers is the one who has endured, who has endured against Satan, who has endured against the world, who has endured against... Our own old nature and sin. It is the one who has conquered these things. The saints in Revelation are said to be the ones who conquered by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. In this way we conquer, by the work that Christ has already done and by our testimony. And what is our testimony after all, dear Christians? What is our testimony after all, dear Christians? And in this we conquer. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, and our testimony is this, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And this, we are more than conquerors, Scripture says. The one who conquers, the one who overcomes, is the one who perseveres in declaring this, the one who endures in saying this. To be clear, we have no power within ourselves to endure in saying this or believing this. We have no power to persevere in avoiding sin. We simply don't. But the Holy Spirit does. And for those of you who have put your trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit is with you. And so, with you, well now, greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. And so, you have the strength in order to overcome, to conquer, to persevere, and to endure. And it is by the power of the Holy Spirit of God Himself who is with us and encouraging us. So what does it mean to conquer, to endure, to overcome? It means to endure in faith. The one who conquers is the one who endures in believing that Jesus forgives, that Jesus has His name written on you. That Jesus Christ is Lord who is alive, who died but who rose again and is going to uh, return at just the right time. The one who conquers is the one who perseveres in believing. The one who conquers is the one who perseveres in repentance. We, you and I, we might sin again. It's possible. But let us be the kind of people who endure in repentance Always immediately turning from our sins again. Whenever sin reappears in our life, whenever we give in to temptation and sin again, let us, each of us, be the kind of people who conquer by enduring to the very last day of our lives, living a life of repentance, saying, I know I sinned, but dear Lord, I will no longer do this. I'm going to turn away from it again. I'm going to make a plan for not sinning again. and I'm going to make a plan for trusting You and following after You. We may well sin again, but let us endure in repentance. Let us endure in faith. And let us endure in Christ. To be in Christ. To abide in Christ. Do you want to conquer? Well, then go get in Christ today. Abide in him in relationship with him by abiding in his word and in his spirit and in prayer. And then in all things, we will be conquerors. And the ones who are conquerors will be called sons and daughters of God. I have nothing but good news for you today and comfort. There is no peace, there is no stability in this world. And there is always perhaps worse to come. But take joy, brothers and sisters. He has overcome the world already. He is coming again. There will be a new creation that we will partake in. And in this new creation, we will walk with God. There will be no more consequences of sin then, nor any more grief, nor tears, He will be our God and we will be His people eternally and forever. Amen. If you have not yet put your trust in Christ, what stops you today? It is as simple as this. You join the rest of us Christians in saying, you know what? Jesus is my Lord too. This is it. It is a commitment for you to say, I know who I am and I know how I've lived. But now I believe that God really does care about me as much as He says He does, and that all those things are forgiven. Is even with this new creation coming, I want to tell you that to be a Christian today is to already become a new creation. Let Christ Go ahead and start the process in your life today of you being made new in Him. Put your trust in Christ today and let Him give you a new spirit, His spirit. Let Him give you a new heart. Not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh. Let Him begin remaking you into His creation again. It is as simple as this, and it starts in this way. Jesus, I believe. Jesus... You will be my Lord from now on. Father God, I thank you so much that you are so good. We don't have any of our hope laid up anywhere else besides in you. We we are all in on you and your return. Until that day, I do pray that we'd be able to live peaceful lives and see many people put their trust in you. Our friends, our family, our neighbors. I pray for peace for our country. I pray for peace for Ukraine. I pray that many would be able to live in peaceful worlds and peaceful countries so that they could hear the gospel preached clearly to them, and they could trust you. Jesus, I pray that you would come soon and set right all of these wrongs. Until that day, It is our joy to hope in you. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.